Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Uptime Community. We're so glad that you could join us live today. Today's date is May 2nd in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Greg Messina, and if you are new here, we are a community of believers that are actively studying the Holy Bible and looking forward to that glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the way, the truth, the life. We want to make this an interactive forum, so we do welcome your questions and your comments today. If you don't know who Jesus is, we do encourage you to get to know him today. I do have to give you the bad news first. Here's the bad news. We're all sinners, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We deserve eternal separation from God and his blessings. The good news is our debt, or sins, have been fully paid for by the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He died for our sins, was buried, and was the only person who was risen in a fully glorified body on the third day. If you believe that this has happened and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are saved from eternal damnation. You'll begin to want to start living for him, not for the world. As scripture states, we do become ambassadors for Christ. Amazing, amazing grace. We welcome back Lee Brainerd with us today. Uh, he has a lot to cover. He has a number of topics we're going to cover today, specifically in the area of the Antichrist, Mystery Babylon, and uh, possibly get into the 24 elders. We'll see how much time we have, but uh, we'll try to get into those topics and more. Of course, I do welcome back our usual uptime panel, and we bring back Brother Michael Pels. We bring back Brother Robert Hagen, and of course, Bob Barber. God bless you, brother. Hey, everybody. Good to everybody. be with you guys again. So good Great to have you. Glad to have Lee back. Man, I love having Lee on uh-huh. the show. Uh-huh. I love having yep. Lee on the show. You guys are in for a treat tonight. Yeah. <laughs> you guys Absolutely. love the rapture resurrection. You're going to love Lee. That's the first <laughs> time you're watching. You're going to love this gentleman. He is. This guy is so educated in the word and so many other ways. Uh, he, he can really, he's so educated in the word in so many different ways. But he also is really good at condensing things and making them easy to understand. Yeah, kind of like you, Barbara. A little bit like me, not quite like Lee. (laughs) I totally agree. (laughs) I can do a little bit like that, but, you know. Well, he is backstage, and we're going to bring him on shortly. But uh, we have this uh, verse of the day. This is coming from BibleGateway.com. We do bring up their uh, verses now and then. Uh, And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Great Love scripture. that verse. Uh, oh, great yeah. scripture coming from First uh, John 5, 14 through 15. All right. So uh, I don't know where Brother Kevin is tonight, to be honest with you. Uh, we have not heard from him. Hopefully everything's good. Here with him. in a few minutes. All right. So you have heard from him. Good. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. So we expect to have Brother Kevin on with us tonight. And uh, other than that, uh, we are going to just talk about let's let's talk about your weeks. First of all, Uh, brother Bob, let's let's go with you first. Well, I've just been busy making short videos now. I'm pretty sure everybody's looking at those videos now. So I really enjoy the short videos are like one minute long or so. I take highlights from uptime mainly. So more likely I'll be taking a lot of highlights from this one. So just be on the lookout for that. But just uh, really excited. A lot of great celestial signs in the heavens pointing towards rapture resurrection. A lot of people are excited about the second Passover, which I can understand why. We don't know whether or not that's going to happen, but that's the job of a watchman. 
We're supposed Amen. to look at all different possibilities of when that when when that event could take place. That's what we're supposed to do. To watch for global tensions, all right, mm-hmm. and keep mm-hmm. up the excitement and of the return of the Lord. Keep the excitement up. Keep it moving. Okay, we go from one 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 expectation of a time of leaving of the, a time of departure to another. I get it, but that's what we're supposed to do because sooner or later something's going to happen, and when it does, aren't you glad that you are excited? Because the Bible says there's a great reward for those who love His appearing. If you're and mm-hmm. if you're not excited for His appearing. Because you ran out of gas, you ran out of oil, you weren't excited no more. You're not going to get that reward. So, <laughs> oh, better be ready, right? Yeah. And uh, you did bring up in one of your last videos about the Messiah 2030 video, which is very interesting. I did get a chance to view that. It is a two-hour presentation, but amazingly, not I mean, mine. Yeah, uh, not yours. You did add it to your your presentation, mm-hmm. which was about 20 minutes. But, never I mean. Any one of those, anybody who's heard of that, Messiah 2030, very interesting. It does not seem that they are coming from a pre-trib, uh, you know, pre-ref uh, no, uh, area of theology. So, uh, but that's okay because the chart itself is amazing when you look at it. And and it's just fascinating to think that we are at at that precipice. We're at that, that point, mm-hmm. that pivotal point. That it could happen Amen. any moment because yeah. obviously with us believing as pre-trib believers, uh, if Jesus is coming back by 2030, and we're not we're not stating that, we're not declaring that here, but certainly there's a lot there uh, that makes you think, makes you definitely think. Right, mm-hmm. Bob? Certainly does not sound too far-fetched now, does it, no. Michael? No. Oh, no, definitely not. And it's so awesome you bring that up, Greg, because I think a lot of times we err when we uh, – see different presentations and graphs and if it doesn't immediately line up with what we agree with we just chuck out the baby at the bathwater. but being mature enough mm-hmm. in the faith to be able to glean it's okay to glean i've learned a lot from a lot of different teachers and preachers that i've later come to conflicts with not because of anything doctrinally as far as what they were saying outside of the gospel it was the gospel itself that's where i've I mentioned it plenty of times before I plant my flag on the gospel and that's where I stand. So, you know, if we align there, you know, I can still, we can still talk and have fun and tango and iron sharpeneth iron. Uh, Yeah. I know me and uh, brother Greg were corresponding this past weekend, man, that was so edifying for me. I was so excited. I had, it led to so many awesome studies. On my own personal time, I was like, ah, thank you, Brother Greg. I just wanted to let you know that. I'm really <laughs> All right, very good. grateful for the time good. you took. Well, to you're that. always a blessing, too. It's an amazing thing that we can we can do that um, together. And, uh, Brother Bob, I know uh, you have a teaching coming up tomorrow. Uh, Robert. I do. Oh, yeah. Yes, I do. Yes, you yeah, do. The whole, On the whole, time. The whole armor of God. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah. it's, right. uh, it's going to be... It's kind of interesting. You know, we're talking about it in uh, Ephesians chapter six mm-hmm. and went through the different things. Um, you know, loins girt about with truth and the breastplate of righteousness. And and it's and I I showed some, you know, we got into Romans chapter eight. And uh, the word of God is is incredible. You know, I, I said when I prayed, said matchless word it really is and there's there's 
a reason for every word that's in there. You know, when, when God says, put on the whole armor of God, he means to put on the whole armor of God. He doesn't mean to put on part of the armor of God and we, we're going to need it. In the Old Testament, when, uh, you know, David went out to fight Goliath, they tried to put all that armor on him. That stuff was just, he couldn't even move. He says, ah, this is not going to work. Just give me some rocks and I'm going to go rock this guy out. <laughs> and it's pretty much something that we need to um, do is as believers, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to put on the whole armor of God. Michael and I talk about this quite a bit because we need to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil in the evil day. And this is what we're dealing with right now. This is an evil day, folks, if you don't know mm. it. And there's stuff going on that's every day there's been laws that are being passed that are right straight from the pit of hell. And people are standing up against this stuff. But at the same time, there's there's a remnant out there. There are there are people who will tune in and hopefully get something out of tonight or maybe tomorrow or are the things that Bob and, and, and brother Michael are doing, um, you know, and Kev just come back to the Lord Jesus Christ, give him a chance, you know, say, you know, if, if you're real, show me, you know, I say this every single time, if nothing else, check it out yourself. Amen. Amen. Well and, said. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that I've been able to still do these because uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I tell Greg a lot of times I have no, absolutely no idea what I'm going to teach on. Until until about two hours before I sit down and all of a sudden this simple it just it gel it comes together and uh, you know by no means do I claim to be a biblical scholar I'm not but you know for some reason uh, I think it I think it'll be a benefit to you if you want to listen to something because we need it uh, we need the fellowship we do. but we also need to realize that. Like you're saying earlier, iron sharpeneth iron. That's why we do. That's why we have Lee on here. So you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm excited about learning what he's what he's researched and yeah, found out. Me too. Just as much as Bob yes. is. So that's it. I'll, I'll be quiet. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thanks for filling us in, brothers. And uh, without further ado, we bring back Lee Brainerd. God bless you, brother. Thank you for coming back on with us. There he is. Can you hear Pleasure us? Oh, be... you're muted. I'm muted. Oh okay. no, you're good now. Okay. All right, brothers. It's a pleasure to be with the Uptime community again tonight, and I, I thank you for the opportunity. Uh, it's a blessing to me always to be able to visit with men of God, uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord, and talk about the things of Jesus, particularly his first coming, his work on the cross, and his second coming, and his work on setting up his kingdom here on earth. Amen. Awesome. Lee, you have been super busy. Uh, and we, of course, appreciate you taking the time to meet with us, uh, gather with us tonight. Um, tell us a little bit first about where you've been recently, traveling the world, uh, where you're about to go also. Uh, I think you said Oklahoma and uh, another state. Uh, forgive me, I forget. But uh, please let us know what you've been up to, uh, these conferences you've been going to. Well, recently I went on a trip to Israel and Jordan with Mondo Gonzalez and the crew from Prophecy Watchers. Uh, We had an amazing tour. We got to see some sites that folks don't normally get to go to. We went to Gilgal Rephaim, which was a very interesting uh, Jeep drive in there. And 
We also got to see uh, Joshua's altar. Uh, that was an amazing drive, too. To get to Joshua's altar, we were in an area that's actually Palestinian territory. Um, and it, the police work is done there by the Israeli military. So we had to have, we, we went there in armored um, buses with military escorts in front of us, behind us, and soldiers on the buses. Very interesting experience. But I enjoyed my time in Israel. I came home uh, for three days, and then I left for Paraguay, and I spent 10 days teaching in four different towns, uh, teaching Bible prophecy. That was an enjoyable time. And then I arrived home this week, and now I'm getting ready. I'll be leaving again on Friday for a trip to Oklahoma to shoot some videos with Mondo Gonzalez at Prophecy Watchers and to visit some different believers and to visit family in Oklahoma and Texas. Awesome. Amazing. Uh, you are you are doing the work, Lord, brother. You are doing a great job. And uh, keep it up. We're praying for you. Um, we're going to go into a few topics. Hopefully we'll get through at least three of them today. First thing I wanted to go over is uh, the topic of the AI Antichrist. You did a video on that recently, um, and you gave some good points as to why the Antichrist could not be AI. Could you just touch a little bit upon that and let us know why that is? Yeah, let me let me bring the notes up I have on that. Um, sure. Go ahead and share that. Yeah. And I'll the, bring it up. You know, the... There's a, a worry that some folks have that the Antichrist is going to be AI. And, well, an Antichrist that's AI would be terrifying. There's no doubt about it. Um, but the real issue here is, is an AI Antichrist as efficient for Satan as a human Antichrist? And I think the answer is no. Um, it's interesting, though, that a number of YouTube watchmen have suggested that the Antichrist will be AI, and I think I understand the reason why. Uh, AI is is a terrifying tool. The, the power that's manifested there is, is really, it's beyond the imagination of most human beings. If anyone's experimented with a, a chat GPT or experimented with one of the AI art uh, programs, it's a fascinating experience. And once you understand that this AI that we're using at this level is really just kindergarten level AI. That there's AI available that's being used in the uh, investing world, that's being used in uh, the different government agencies in the military that's actually much more advanced than this AI. And even that AI is still in a grade school level. You know, you give this stuff another five or 10 years and AI is going to be off the charts. Now, uh, a few of the things I've thought about which forbid an AI Antichrist is, first of all, virtually every passage that mentions the Antichrist either states or implies that he is a human being. Um, and, and this is something that anyone can just walk through the scriptures with their concordance or the list of verses that they know on the subject, and, and they could validate it. Uh, another argument that he that he won't be AI but a human being is we see it in Revelation chapter 13 verses 3 and 12, where the Antichrist is going to suffer a fatal head wound. Now machines can't suffer a literal fatal head wound; they can suffer a physical fatal head wound, but not a literal one. And if um, a machine 
uh, is destroyed to the point where it's dead, then um, it's really hard to imagine that literally coming back to life. Now, we could go with the figurative return to life to a computer. But once you go to the next step that the scriptures talk about um, this, the scriptures tell us that the Antichrist is a former Roman emperor that's going to rise from the abyss. Now, that's rise from hell. Now, no matter what else you think about, whether it's a figurative or a literal death with the Antichrist, once you come to rising out of the abyss, there are no computers in the abyss. Uh, and no computers are going to go to the abyss. This this is a place for human beings and for angels only. Um, that's all that's going to be there. It's for sentient uh, moral agents that are wicked. Now, the scriptures also tell us that he's a former Roman emperor. And again, this leaves uh, the AI out of the out of the question. Furthermore, the Antichrist is going to be thrown in the lake of fire. We see this in Revelation nineteen twenty. Uh, this implies that he's a human being. Uh, there aren't going to be any computers thrown into the lake of fire, no matter how advanced or sophisticated. And we could go through a few more arguments like this. I'll just give you one more. One of them is that lying frog demons are going to be coming out of the mouth of Satan, out of the mouth of the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. This is in Revelation chapter 16. And if we go to to this concept here, um, well, demons can manipulate uh, computers and electric uh, components. I've seen them do it. I've, I've, I've been in situations where this has obviously happened. They can't literally possess uh, computers, and they don't uh, literally, um, they're, they're not minions or servants that are associated with uh, computers. They're associated with uh, moral agents. They're associated with other uh, angels. They're associated with human beings. And uh, they can be sometimes in other living creatures like hogs, but that's really going down another uh, path. So once we start looking at these kind of arguments, we, we begin to see some really good arguments why the Antichrist is going to be a human being, must be a human being, and why he can't be uh, sophisticated AI technology. Okay. Um, are you presenting right now? Because we don't actually see your presentation if you are. Um, would you be able to just share that? Or Oh, no, I wasn't presenting any verses. Okay. I was just talking. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so just want to be sure. Um, so other than that, yeah, I mean, that's that's fascinating. I, I love the video that you do, and everything is so succinct and and, and just so well put together. Um, and it's not it's not drawn out. You, know, you guys, you do a very good job at editing. Um, so, yeah, I mean, AI, Antichrist, I could see specifically why many people will believe that it could be. Uh, AI, um, especially with all the technology um, and, uh, you know, just the stuff that we deal with on day-to-day basis and with this whole chat GPT GPT going on, um, we could say, oh, my goodness, this could very well be something coming from uh, the Antichrist, but the Bible says otherwise. Yes. Well, one thing I think about is it's, I think it's indisputable that the powers of darkness in the last day through the Antichrist are going to exploit AI and they're going to use it in a terrifying way to yeah. manipulate and deceive mankind. That's pretty obvious. Um, yeah. And some people point out, well, maybe the AI is going to be involved in this living image. Now, as soon as we go there, that's a whole nother question. 
Um, that one, that living image, that very well could be the most advanced, sophisticated AI, transhuman stuff. Who knows what's going to be there? Nephilim DNA, who knows? Uh, that thing is pretty bizarre. Yeah, that is interesting. Have you ever um, thought about maybe that the AI is actually going to be an augmentation to this new beast system, so to speak, as allowing the enemy to be more omnipresent in in appearance, but not in reality, using the quantum computers that are networked? Well, I think it's, it's certainly the case that the Antichrist is going to use uh, all of this uh, information gathering uh, technology, the surveillance technology, the social grading technology, the digital identity technology, uh, the, the, all those technologies to gather information and to exploit it against the human race. That's indisputable. And that really is, in a way, a simulation or an emulation of God's omnipotence. Now, when it comes to the Antichrist, uh, I think this is very true. When it comes to Satan, I think Satan already has so many uh, demonic spirits out there that communicate on the electromagnetic level in a way that's beyond just mere letters and mere emails and those kind of analogies and, and mere physical communications that I think that the devil himself doesn't actually need this technology to have uh, this bogus sense of omniscience around the world. But uh, the Antichrist is going to need it very much so. You know, I love what you talk about in that video, Lee, that uh, AI will will not be the Antichrist, which I totally agree. But yep. you did mention that it will be like a henchman. Oh, no doubt. It'll be a henchman. It'll be a tool that he would use, okay? And it'll be useful for a while, okay? He, I don't think he's going to need it all the way through. But let's face it, though, in order to, uh, I mean, in order to create a global grid, where he can be omnipresent, he's going to need that. You know, he's going to need something like that working on his behalf, you know, policing people. You know, like back in, like, you know, back around World War II, the Jews and stuff like that, they were trying to control their thoughts and all that stuff inside the homes and stuff like that, you know, and having people snitching on them. It was kind of like a grid back then yeah. in Germany. Exact same thing. Okay, but now AI is in every single device, that you have throughout your whole house. So that's your new snitch grid program that they're going to use now That's as a reincarnation of what they dealt with back in World War II in Germany. Except vastly more sophisticated. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah, you have things like the digital Bitcoins and blockchain, and you're going to need assets available that can actually the computational power necessary to be able to track all those figures in real time. Otherwise you wouldn't be able to control the market so effectively. So I definitely think that AI is going to play a huge role in mm -hmm. Satan as powerful as he is. He still goes to and fro, right? So he's not yeah. everywhere at once. So even with the, the ladder of, you know, when you're a kids and you would tell someone something and they would echo it down the chain you know, I could see him wanting to do something like that, but I feel like that if he can make a more effective way, and which I believe that's what the technology is all about, I think that it's just a more effective means of transferring information. And, you know, you said something, Lee, that really 
intrigued me because we know that there's a lot to do with the electromagnetic spectrum of these things. Yep. It's kind of interesting to think about how he's the prince of the power of the airways, but not only that, but how the grid is connected. Yep. I mean, totally hypothesizing, but could it be a means of transportation through these grids and wires? I mean, just a, just a thought, you know, because I don't know if they have the ability to teleport. Just saying. Yeah, well, well this is spiritual. It's a, you know, it, <clears throat> these things are spiritual. We're talking about, um, yep. you know, we're, we live, you know, we, we're down here. Um, but we are, we have within us the Holy Spirit. We have, you know, God and Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're born again. And uh, a lot of these things that are going on, uh, there was a book many years ago by Albert, Alvin, Tof, Albert, Alvin Toffler called Future Shock. Oh, I remember and that he, book. He talks about the information age and how the information age will come about. And it's, you know, growing up, there was no 24-7 news cycle when I was growing up. And and we had three channels. And we didn't have, you know, news that you could put on at 2 o'clock in the morning. There was a test pattern on there at 2 o'clock in the morning. At the same time, the knowledge... The, you know, it says in the word that by the foolishness of preaching, God made known his word. You know, it's kind of a, it's, it's a, what do you call it, oxymoron, but it's by the, the wisdom of the world comes to naught is as much brilliance as there is. And there's a lot of people that are brilliant out there that, that do a lot of great things, but there are a lot of people out there that their goal is to dominate and to enslave mankind. And we all know this. Um, you want to call it the New World Order, you want to call it the Illuminati, whatever, but they're, they have to try to do it by these means. And um, there's, there's spiritual darkness that's behind it. Uh, you can sense this a lot of times when you go into a place. If you go into a, a, a store, you go into a, a an establishment where there's a lot of darkness, where there's just people that are way out there, and you can yeah. sense you can sense that something's not right. That's that um, that's that Holy Spirit alarm. I call it. You know, it's yeah. kind of like ding 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 ding. You know, beware. You know, be watchful. Uh, whenever <clears throat> whenever you're traveling, and I know you do a lot of traveling, Lee. I know you pray before you travel, and I know you're you're a man yeah. of prayer, and I know that that um, with with everything that you have coming up and you don't need to get into I'm I'm just stating this as a brother that I certainly will be praying for and I know my other Amen. brothers will too because it's important that you you take you do your ministry the way the Lord is leading you it's just like with all of us now I you know I don't have your ministry I have what I do but I certainly can support you by prayer and in any other way that you need, you know, um, and Mm. that's one of the things we try to do on here. You know, it's, everybody has a different thing going. uh, Bob Barber has his uh, feed the, feed the sheep, feed my sheep. Is that what it's called? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep today. Yeah. Feed my sheep today. And I was telling somebody about that the other day, real quick, Bob, I was saying a friend of mine, get, get a Bible, any, anybody in the world that needs it for free. Okay, you can't do that. I said he does. <laughs> but how does he do it? Because the Lord provides. 
Amen. Mm. We got a big Amen. network of volunteers, by the way. It's not, that's how we do it. You don't, I, I'm not the guy sending out the Bible. The Lord has blessed us over the years with a continuing growing network of volunteers who subscribe to my channel who have emailed me and say, hey, Bob, if you need a Bible sent, let me know and I'll send it. And the Lord has sent us, we probably have, um, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood about 50 to 100 different people who are waiting. We have to go in rotation. So it's not like we're not, we're not like we're hammering one person 50 Bibles in a month, you know. So it's like it goes in a rotation. You might get a chance maybe once or twice a year to send out Bibles, you know. So it works out good, you know, especially if you got to send the Bible overseas. That gets expensive, hmm. you know. So you only do it once or twice a year, and then your time in rotation works out pretty good. Yeah. Nice. And I and I know the Lord always supplies because you, you were you just quickly this um, – You've talked on here before about how um, when the need comes in from the different missionaries, a lot of times the need will come in and then the finances will come in. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you're not you're not sitting on this big, huge pile of money up here, up there in Indiana. No, they don't like to do that, especially especially (laughs) the way things are right now. I don't like keeping money in the bank. That money gets fast. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like keeping money in the bank, man. (laughs) I didn't mean to get off on a tangent about about this stuff, but it's just one of those things. As the you know, I I, I call my show as he leaves. I try to. That's what I try to do. You know, and and with uh, and and also what what Michael's doing too, and Lee and and Greg. We're all. I think we're all trying to make a difference. Amen. Yeah. Trying to please the Lord. Do his will. Amen. Yeah. Amen. There's Amen. a multitude of gifts and there's a multitude of callings. And they're as diversified as the parts of the human body. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Amen. And I think sometimes we err and forget about that, you know, and it's like it's like, well, no, guys, we're all a part of this big old beautiful body together. And it's so awesome to see how God's orchestrating it, you know, because yes, we all have different aspects, different ministries, different callings, different things to touch base on. But it's amazing how God uses us, the iron sharpening iron, bringing us together, providing. I mean, I can't tell you guys, I'm sure you guys who have been watching up time have heard my stories about how God just without fail has always provided and it's really awesome because it's just it's not only is it edifying but it just builds you up in the faith and and just knowing and you know it's about it's about building faith so god usually always brings the need before he brings the mm. you know the, the solution because he wants you to learn to trust in him always amen, amen. And that, and once we grab a hold of that man you'll be singing no matter what you're facing and uh, yeah, I just want to point out that other people, you know, out there, especially audience members, you're all partaking in these. So when you view these videos or even partake in the live broadcasts, you're you're coming together with us and you're standing with us. And it's kind of an intercessory uh, prayer uh, where you you guys can uh, you're praying for us. And that in itself is is a mission is is something that is working for us to be able to bring these videos out to you because your prayers are doing something so you yourselves out there in the audience you're doing something you're making a difference if you don't have a video uh, or a youtube platform maybe the God, the lord's not calling you to do that that's fine if you're partaking in this 
in these presentations and praying for us, you are doing something amazing. You are doing something great and you are making a difference. So I just want to put that out there as well. Amen. Amen. That's beautifully spoken. So, I so, mean, we established, so, so we established that the AI is not the Antichrist. So what's the next thing you want to get to, Greg? Well, in terms of the Antichrist, that, you know, I just want to bring up this one scripture before we move on to the next sure. topic, because we know that the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world, right? Um, so we have this scripture. Uh, let me bring it up. Uh, okay, here we go. All right. So we have First John, right? 4.3. And every spirit that confess not that Jesus Christ come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit, the spirit of the Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come and even now is already in the world. So the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the world. Lee, can you comment a little bit on this? Because some people may be a little bit confused. Oh, wait, this, the Antichrist is already here. No, that's not what it's referring to. Right. right. Or the, in a the, way it is, but it. go ahead. The the Antichrist is uh, is really uh, the final embodiment of what Satan has been trying to do ever since the Tower of Babel which is to establish a one-world government, one-world economic system, and one-world religion. And we, we only get a glimmer of that uh, rebellion at Babel in the Bible and that was headed up by Nimrod. But in secular history, we actually get quite a bit of information from a, a dozen different angles on Nimrod's uh, exploits and, and what he did at that time under about a half a dozen different names, depending upon which culture you're reading the account from. But that desire to dominate the world has been uh, come down through history. We see that manifested in the nations of the times of the Gentiles in the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire. Well, ultimately, the Roman Empire rose to a point of greatness. It split into two halves, the east and the west half, and then both of those halves fractured into pieces. In the last days, those fractured pieces are going to come together in 10 states. I think it's reasonable to think that uh, five will be uh, basically from uh, the the west of Turkey and in, into Europe, and five will be Turkey and in the Middle East and North Africa. But time will tell how that pulls out. But out of this Roman Empire, this same Antichrist spirit is finally going to come to the head in an individual. And this individual we know is the Antichrist or, or is the man of sin. He is going to have, according to Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, he's going to have all the, uh, uh, he's going to come in all the, the power of miracle working that Satan can manifest. According to Revelation 13, he has Satan's seat and his uh, power and his authority. He's going to have more at his fingertips than any human being has ever had his, at his fingertips uh, for the unsaved rulers and kings of this world. So that that spirit that's been working in the world since Babel is going, in fact, we could say since the garden, uh, but we get Babylon from Babel. And that spirit is going to be manifested in the last days in a single individual. And this is going to be the culmination of Satan's plan to dominate the world. He's going to rule the world through a man. He's going to be worshipped through a man. 
Amen. And mm. I like the way you said that the, the culmination, it kind of reminds me, like you said, going back to the garden with Genesis 3.15, and when he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise mm. your head and you shall bruise his heel. And it, it kind of makes me think of the uh, the mortal head wound. <laughs> yes, be honest yes. with you, that, that connection going back and forth between those. And we've seen that the prophecy of Jesus coming in the flesh has been fulfilled. So now we're going to see what happens later on, unfortunately. The, What's the man interesting sin. about that passage that you're in there in chapter 3 is we have the seed of the woman in contrast to the seed of the serpent. And this is a, a path that we're probably not going to go down tonight, but I think it is worth uh, bringing up um, that the Antichrist uh, when he's finally manifested, there's more than a human element that's involved mm-hmm. there. He's the mm-hmm. seed of the serpent. Yep. That takes you down the whole fallen angel realm, Nephilim yep. path, probably beyond our time and F- opportunities tonight. But it's definitely worth people contemplating. I think it's one of the most important facts in the Bible that's readily and often overlooked. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see... Um... Yeah, the spirit of Antichrist has definitely been here, just like Jesus said back then. And we've seen uh, Satan try to do a few runs at it since then with Nero. Uh, and they tried to do a run with Hitler, you know, yep. some others in between. Okay, but he couldn't quite manifest that man of sin. He, he almost got there, but wasn't a global thing. But now, okay, we are looking at, we are talking about the AI, and let's look at all the Global, global, global things happening now. Everything's global now. That's right. Okay. What a great indicator now. There, you know, Lee, wouldn't you agree that it, it seems like to me that they are building the whole infrastructure here where all the Antichrist has to do is just walk into the control panel, sit down in the control seat, turn the on switch, and take control. What do you Absolutely. think? Absolutely. Not a doubt in my mind, brother. Yeah. Yeah, that's where we're at right now. It's almost there. Okay, mm-hmm. the only problem is it has this thing called a hand of restraint. You guys heard about that? Okay, <laughs> you guys heard oh, about I never that? heard of the restrainer. We should go <laughs> Yeah, he's having a problem with that, man, because, you know, we're here and we got people in Congress that are still trying to stick up for us. You got the United States still, still kind of holding back the New World Order. Okay, there's many different, there's many different uh, manifestations of the hand of restraint, but no just doubt. ultimately the Holy Spirit. Yes. Okay, but that and that man of sin cannot be revealed until that hand of restraint is removed, according to what the Bible says. So when you remove that hand of restraint, what has to happen? You just can't remove the hand of restraint and everything. Just all the people stay here that represents the hand of restraint. You have to remove the people who are represented with the hand of restraint. Okay, Mm -hmm. that'd be like a king saying to this this land that he's invaded. It's like, I am removing my authority from the land I invaded, except I'm leaving all my soldiers there. That doesn't work. The king will have to say, soldiers, pull out, slaughter, and let everything go. So what's going to happen with us? Like He'll descend from heaven with a shout, our king, Mm -hmm. and he catches up. He removes all of us from the situation. So that way it can all go straight to hell. Yep. And like what Greg said earlier about us being ambassadors of Christ, you know, anytime a war breaks out on foreign soil, your ambassadors are the first to be evacuated. I mean, Mm -hmm. 
it's kind of a yeah. natural parallel there, but just something interesting to chew on. Amen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's move on. I guess uh, the next topic is Mystery Babylon. Um, so, Lee, you've done a video on that as well. Can you fill uh, people in on the Mystery Babylon and what is Mystery Babylon? Well, I actually I did three videos on Babylon. It was such a, a massive topic. The first one I, I, I did three, and one of them was called Mystery Babylon is Not Literal Babylon. Then I did one that demonstrates that I believe that Rome, the city of Rome, uh, as the the source of the the Babylonian religion or the dominant force in Babylonian religion is religious Babylon. And then I did another one where I raised the possibility that perhaps New York City is representative of the little horn power that uh, takes domination of the Roman Empire in the last days because the little horn is not one of the ten toes of the fractured Roman Empire. It's different. And I, I didn't um, stake uh, my whole claim entirely there. I just raised the possibility of it. I, I think it's a subject that people need to think on. But really, yeah. um, when we take up this whole subject, is is Babylon, is it a mystery Babylon or is it a literal Babylon? And one of the most popular positions in our day is that Babylon is going to be the literal city of historic Babylon restored. Um, and when you stop and think about it, if that's going to happen, this is a mighty big undertaking. Um, sometime between now and, and the, the beginning of the tribulation, or at least the middle of the tribulation, we've only got, what, somewhere is between... Uh, three and a half years and six, seven years max for this city to go from non-existent to being the dominant city in the world, filled with economic power, filled with uh, military power, filled with wealth. Um, you know, I don't know that we could say this is absolutely impossible, but it does seem to me to be pretty much, it's it's a big stretch. Yes, it's, yeah, it's and so I actually made uh, I gave seven arguments in, in this video why I believe that uh, that Babylon is going to be uh, uh, spiritual or mystical Babylon and not literal Babylon. And the first one was just the literal hermeneutic. If, if you go to uh, Revelation chapter 17, verse 5, and we read that passage. Um, in fact, let me pull it up here. Well, I'm can can someone put that up on the screen? I'll just read it off the screen. Yes, I can pull it up right now. Let me uh, let me bring that up. Just give me one moment, and there we go. Okay, and it says upon her forehead was a name written, "Mystery Babylon the Great, the Mother of Harlots and Abominations of the Earth." And I pointed out that if I was going to make my own translation of this passage, just based on. Uh, the relationship that name written has with the word mystery and that Babylon the Great and everything after that is its own unique uh, unit uh, in in the syntax here, that this is, you could translate this, upon her forehead was written a mystery name. Name and mystery are both in the accusative. Um, And the, uh, I believe it's the ESV that, that, uh, let's see, yeah, yeah, I have it right here. The ESV is the only modern major version that actually brings up this relationship, and it translates it here. Upon her forehead was written her name, 
Um, no, here. Um, wrong one. Uh, on her forehead was written the name of mystery. So a name of mystery is the same thing as a mystery name. And so it, it's saying that this whole thing is a mystery. And the mystery is that this is, Babylon is a mystery. So that was my first argument. Um, the, the second argument that I pointed out is that the claim is often made that all of the cities mentioned in Revelation are literal. And therefore, we should take Babylon as a literal city. And I pointed out this is simply not true. In Revelation, um, yeah, that's a good verse that you brought up there too. The um, In Revelation 11.8, we read, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. So the name of the city of Jerusalem, and there we have it, um, it's not mentioned. So we have Sodom mentioned. That's a city, and it's not literal. Um, and there's other uses in the book of Revelation where things are spiritual and, and not literal. Um, the other, another point I pointed out is that the word mystery doesn't, uh, that people claim it doesn't mean figurative. They, they claim that it means previously unrevealed literal truth. Well, that's how it's used at times in the scriptures, but it's not the only way it's used. For instance, we read in Revelation 120, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. So the stars in the lampstands are not literal. The stars in the lampstands refer to angels and to churches. So here, mystery does have the sense of this is a figurative or a spiritual sense. And uh, other verses in the scriptures that bring this out would be like Ephesians 5.32, where Paul employs marriage as a mystical uh, representation of, of the relationship between Christ and the bride. Uh, and we also see in Daniel 2.18 in the Septuagint that Daniel's dream of the great image is called a mystery. Um, so you have a figurative thing that appears, and it's used in a spiritual sense to represent something else. Um, I won't give all the arguments here, but there are a couple others that I think are valuable. Uh, the, the, my seventh argument on this subject, um, the people claim that according to Jeremiah 50 and 51, Babylon is going to be completely destroyed someday, but literal Babylon was never fully destroyed. So somewhere in the future, this prophecy has to be fulfilled. So Babylon has to be rebuilt and then destroyed. Um, this argument has shaken a lot of people, but there's actually not a lot of weight in, in this argument. After Alexander's death in 323 B.C., uh, the empire divided, and decades of war and turmoil emptied the city of Babylon. In 275 BC, uh, most of the inhabitants of the city were, were transported to Seleucia, and Babylon decreased into insignificance. Uh, by the time of the Parthian Empire in 141 BC, Babylon was deserted 
and forgotten. And in A.D. 115, according to Cassius Dio, uh, uh, a historian uh, in the in the time of the early church, uh, he wrote Trajan. Uh, he had gone there to Babylon both because of its fame um, and because of Alexander, to whose spirit he offered sacrifice in the room where he had died. But it adds that he saw nothing but mounds and stones and ruins. So in 115 AD, the city of Babylon was completely gone. He was able to find the building where he thought uh, that um, Alexander the Great had been uh, buried, but, or at least the room where he had died, but he didn't see anything that resembled a city, just ruins. And so this this kind of report goes now all the way through the 650 AD, the time of the Muslim conquest. The city was buried in sand. You go through the centuries. Uh, in the uh, 13th century, the, Mus- uh, the, the Muslims historians said there was a small village in the area, and that was it. Um, but the city itself was not rebuilt. And then you come all the way up to the time of the archaeological age in the early 1800s. This is when people first started living in the area again. And this is where some of the modern people that claim Babylon is going to be rebuilt get their main ammo. They said at this time there was 10,000 people there. Well, they're mistaken. There was not 10,000 people living in the old city of Babylon. There was 10,000 people that lived in the vicinity in scattered villages. They didn't live in Babylon proper. Um, the, from the, right now, you can go to the old city of Babylon. There's a video, I forget, I don't have the address for it, but there's a video on YouTube by a man who is an archaeologist. He gives a, a video using a drone of the entire, goes through all the walls of old Babylon that are extant today. You can see the whole city. And inside that city, the only buildings that are there are the ones that uh, Saddam Hussein built when he was trying to restore Babylon. There's no permanent residences. There's no residences there at all. Nobody's actually farming that land. It's all desolate land. So inside the city, it's still desolate. It's been desolate since the Parthian Empire. So it's been desolate for for nearly 2,100 years. And I, I think that this desolation is prophetically fulfilled already. It's not going to be fulfilled in the future. And so I think this whole argument that Babylon has to be restored is, is bankrupt. That's, uh, that's quite a bit. Brother, that is amazing. Um, yeah, so I mean, there is, you could see why that you had to do this in different parts, uh, because there's a lot to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on, on that and the spiritual aspect as opposed to the literal, um, you know, location, the literal Babylon, um, they kind of go hand in hand with one another. Yeah, but there's always a spirit behind it, behind uh, Sodom Gomorrah, behind but uh, Babylon. That's right. Uh, behind the United States um, and and everything that's going going on right now. Mm-hmm. So, and it goes back to that spirit of the Antichrist, which I mean, it all ties in, doesn't it? It sure does. It all ties in. Hey, One uh, thing I've also thought about too, when it comes to Babylon. When we come to Revelation chapter 18, and we're looking at um, the fact that it's a wealthy port city, 
that gets destroyed by the judgment of God. And you, you start figuring this out. Now, Rome was a minor port city. You know, they they were able to bring smaller ships, not the large ocean-going ships, but smaller ships up the river through through um, locks that they had made, and they could bring them into the city. Um, but it was not a major port city in and of itself. Um, you look at, like, London. You can bring smaller ships up the Thames, Thames River. They have ports there. But it's not an ocean-going city. There's really only a few cities on the planet that have a harbor big enough and to have economic wealth big enough that you could even consider them. And no city is more qualified to be that than the city of New York. Now, I won't say that I'm absolutely 100% certain that New York City is the fulfillment of that, but I do think it belongs on people's list to investigate and think about. Hey, uh, Lee, I got a question for you. You know, I've been trying to figure that out for a long time. People have asked me about that. You know, what do I think the city uh, city of Babylon is, Mystery Babylon? The only answer I can give, I don't have a definite answer. I think you have so. I, I think you presented some great information here. Uh, I just want to ask you about this. You know, my uh, my theory is that there is a uh, basically a uh, protocol of mystery of Babylon destruction. Okay, for example, what happened with the Tower of Babel? It probably fell in an hour. Yeah, okay, no doubt. Because it fell quickly because I don't think it took that long for, for God to confuse languages. So that thing fell apart within an hour. So I think we saw a protocol of that destruction happen at the Tower of Babel with Nimrod. Okay, so I think it would sound fair that that same protocol can be applied in other places that are are doing the kind of the same things as uh Babylon. And I know that's a doctrine that I believe in because if you go to Isaiah twenty eight ten, it says for the way you build doctrine is for precept must be upon precept, and those are my precepts. Yeah. Uh Babylon, stuff like that. Then precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Amen. Here a little, there a little. So I believe in the doctrine of the protocol of the destruction of Babylon. So I believe that protocol could be applied to it could be applied to New York City yep. because New York City is a type of Babylon. I believe it could be applied to the Vatican. Absolutely. There too, a type of Babylon. So is Mecca. So is Jerusalem. Okay. It I heard that to argument Tyre. too. What's that? It applied to Tyre. Yeah. So and uh the city of Nineveh. That's another one. Okay, so you have that protocol is in place. So Basically, but there is one that's going to be the mystery of Babylon. But if people will look at the destruction that's coming, like America, uh, I love the argument people make, oh, the entire continent of America, that's mystery of Babylon. First of all, America is not a city. It's a yeah. continent. It's a country. <laughs> it says it's a city. Okay. But New York is kind of the, uh, it's kind of like the gauge of America. Wouldn't you agree? Yep. Okay, so if you take out New York City, which we have seen in tons of dreams and visions, sorry, Greg, but New York is taken out, man, something fierce. And basically, it's usually by um, by tsunamis and nuclear weapons from Russia. Okay, that's what I've seen in dreams and visions. But I just wanted to see, what do you think about the concept, Lee, of the possibility of that there's a protocol of a judgment that's carried out that's similar to Mystery Babylon. 
Well, there's not a doubt in my mind that the, the path you're on here is definitely a scriptural principle. Um, whether it proves that uh, New York City is ultimately the final seat of the mystery of mm-hmm. the Babylonian iniquity, or whether it's just one of the regional cities. At the second coming, every center of Babylonian iniquity is going to be shaken to the ground in, by earthquake and burned by fire and swept away, and not just the main seat. Now, whatever city is this main seat, that is definitely going to be dealt with. So I, I, I think that the, the point you make is, is not only valid, but it's really, it's, it's, it's a critical point to understand, to understand the iniquity in the world. Amen. Yeah, I know Ecclesiastes says, a thing that has been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there's nothing new under the sun. Amen. So if, the, if, you, if you're going to have a basically, what's, what's the judgment? If you build a mystery Babylon-type structure city, chances are it's going to receive the Babylon mystery Babylon judgment. That's exactly yeah. right. Or it'll fall. And Another thing I think that is Isaiah forty six ten. Sorry, I just wanted Amen. to let you know. Go ahead, Michael. Go ahead. Yeah, Go declaring ahead. The end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, "My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure." And I totally, totally, one hundred percent agree with you there, Bob, uh, because. When we go and we look at scripture, seeing those different witnesses, because, you know, it says in the word to let everything be established by two or more witnesses. Right. So that's so important. So going to and fro throughout the scriptures and finding these multiple witnesses that are pointing to the same facts is a great way that the Lord has showed me how to decipher these more complicated things. Mm-hmm. Amen. Awesome. Amen. Amazing. Amen. Okay. All right, uh, Hagen. Yeah, yes, to this? I'm here. Oh, what what can I add to it? No, I'm just, I just, I'm just enjoying it. It's uh, very interesting, um, you know. But with everything that's going on, and there's so many, there's so many things going on that are bad in the world right now. Uh, we we still have a hope, and Amen. Uh, maybe that's my part in this because. Uh, you really have to watch uh, what you put in, you know, if you put, if you put the word of God in your mind, which is what we're supposed to do, we're supposed to renew our minds daily because the outer man is perishing daily. The inward man is being renewed daily. How do we renew the inner man by, by putting on the word, by doing to the best of our ability, the will of God and to walk with the Lord. And we have that with everything that's going on around us and people are, uh, you know, unsettled and unpeaceful and they, they'll walk up to you sometimes and they'll say, you know, there's something different about you. How come you're not all rattled all the time with everything that's going on? And there are a lot of things that could rattle us. And sometimes we, it, it does happen. But we do have that foundation, you know, that sure foundation of Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. Amen. And that's what that's one of the things that, that blesses me about when we come on here. Because that's why I've kind of been sitting back and saying nothing, because I just am enjoying the the fellowship and the and the the uh, information 
kind of like a history lesson, Lee, which is really, I, I love history. So it's really cool for me to hear that. Um, but at the same time, we know that there's going to be a point in time where the restrainer, that hand of restraint is going to be lifted. And so are we, <laughs> which is, which is something I'm really looking yeah. forward to, believe me. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're all, we have that hope, you know, at one point we were without God and without hope in this world says in Ephesians, but now we're, you know, we're at peace with God. You know, there's a lot of things when you read the word and you just look at the words that are there. I did this a few weeks ago. We're no, you know, we were enemies of God. Okay. And now we're at peace with God. That's the end, the absolute end of enmity. I mean, we, we don't, He's not, he's not like a caveman with a, with a big club waiting to clobber us. Amen. He's our loving father. And what did he do? He sent his only begotten son for us to, to take all that stuff that we deserve, which is, you know, we can't really comprehend it, but we can believe it and, and, and do the, to the best of our ability to share it with people in whatever ministry the Lord is, like you said earlier, whatever, you know, we're all different. That's for sure. You know, I know that. Uh, I sure miss Kev tonight, though, you know, if he's listening, watching. No, oh, he's in the uh, chat. Yeah, he's yeah, helping we, us we in have, the um, Kevin and I have a, a really good relationship. Actually, we don't. We can't stand each other. No, it's not, I, I don't mean that. But we, we've had a lot of fun because he always picks on me for being older. At least I got hair. <laughs> you know. But, um, but I'm thankful. Uh, it's 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 really you know, it was it was really uh, kind of neat how the Lord prompted me to pray for you today. Amen. I didn't know you were going to be on here, brother. And I, I'm Amen. I'm so I'm so blessed to see you again. Really, it's been. I mean, it's great to see you again. I mean, it's it's amazing Amen. to me how often when I'm going through uh, difficult trials, I will get emails from people that tell me they're praying for me or encouraging me. Or I'll discover that people were praying for me at the very time of the trial. Uh, the Lord just has a way of communicating our needs to those around us. Amen. That's Amen. so truly. I mean, how many times, guys, have you been going throughout your day and a name has popped into your mind? Sure. Don't take that lightly. You know, pray for that person. That's so important because the Lord's prompting you that they need prayer. And we're mm -hmm. a body that's supposed to work together, you know, as soldiers for Christ, you know, and it's so important. It's so important. And Brother Bob, um, just saying, speaking to what you were saying about being, you know, we have that peace that surpasses all understanding. But there is times, guys, when we get, you know, we get in trouble and our flesh gets reared up and we, we you know we sense the fear again but we always have the lord that rock that like bob was saying to fall back upon and that's so important and and to remember you are what you eat right so if you're eating a bunch of just garbage all the time you know fear death <laughs> destruction you know that's gonna that's going to creep into your into mm -hmm. your mind, and that's Definitely. all that's going to reside there. So, and it's so interesting because I had one of those moments recently where I was kind of feeling a little anxious, and um, my Bible's practically creased to this to this psalm. But Psalm sixty one, I opened it up, and it never fails. It's hear my cry, 
O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth I will cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Amen. And I can't even tell you guys. It's almost, it's like, wow, God, your spirit is so amazing. Because the a couple of days ago I was feeling health issues and it was just getting real bad. And, and I remember sitting there and I, guys, it was like I could hear, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Just Almost audible, but not exactly audible, you know, but I could feel it in my soul. And I just, I just got my Bible out and I was like, thank you, Jesus, for always being our comforter in all the trials Amen. that we face. Amen. It's like that, it's like that verse order, order my steps in thy word. Uh, you know, we have that, we have that spiritual connection, Michael. We have um, many times, you know, you, you were just talking earlier, a few minutes ago about, you know, praying for people when they come to mind. Another thing you could do is in, in, in the morning or wherever you have your prayer time is, is ask the Lord who to pray for. And sometimes it's pretty interesting. <laughs> the names that will come into your mind. At the same time, it's, it, you know, don't forget to pray for yourself. You know, it's not a, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with praying for yourself. Um, pray for your family, your uh, wayward, if you have uh a son that's you haven't talked to for nearly five years, like me. Who's um, I heard a, a thing at church the other day. This this one this one guy who has a son who's kind of uh, hasn't talked to him for a long time, and it looks like they might be starting to connect again. Praise so Lord. you the prayer does not go out; it doesn't go out void. That's right. Um, so that's one of the things that we continue to do and. When trials come up, which we're going to deal with, Michael, that you were just talking about, uh, we have the rock of ages. We, ha- you know, we could say, Lord, I need you now. We're, show me something in the word that's going to comfort me. Because it's, it says mm-hmm. in Corinthians, he is the God of all comfort. So mm-hmm. if, we, if we ask him, he's going to show us. And, and then we'll look at it and we'll go, hey, I didn't, I didn't realize I was in there. You know, <laughs> the next thing you know, you're reading you're reading 16 chapters or you go to Psalm 119 and you read it and you go, you know, like the words of lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And pretty soon your, your problem that you thought was so huge is sort of just gone sure. because you're putting mm-hmm. in your mind the truth. Amen. And God designed our minds for the truth. He didn't design our minds for all this garbage. that's going on. No. You know, I love what you said there, Bob comfort. And what does it tell us in First Thessalonians four eighteen? To comfort one another with these words. Okay, the rapture resurrection. Okay. I have a question for everybody here on the panel. And let's see if you guys have to say about this question. Okay, and everybody in the comments section can comment. Do you feel this peace coming right now? I never felt it before, but it's the peace of the rapture resurrection about to happen. Because hmm. I, I do. Because this world's getting bad, but you know what does like? There's like as a like, man, that's bad. I can things can get really bad here, Lee. But then it's like, hey, that Trump is going to sound soon, and you know. Okay. And I just it's it, I just kind of like have this like <sighs> my spirit. <laughs> that piece has been setting over me, brother, in the last I want to say two weeks, yeah, about two weeks or so. It's just. Man, it just came upon me, and I don't even—I can't even give myself any credit for it. I thought it was just me letting things go, but at the same time, it's like you just know that Jesus mm-hmm. is coming, 
Jesus is right around the corner. His is coming is right around the corner. He's coming for his body, the body of Christ. And he is he is here. I mean, he's with us through all of this. He is. And all you have to do is continue to call out to him, cry out to him. And he'll he'll give you that peace that surpasses all yeah. understanding. It'll rest a, upon you. Give him a chance. You know, yeah, that's one of the interesting man. things about uh, if you if you've ever delved into any any of the Eastern religions or the other philosophies around the world, many of them have really good intentions, but none of them have a representative. That's right. Like the Lord Jesus Christ, who who came and accomplished what he did, was crucified in the grave for three days, three nights, and rose again and then ascended and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And he still has a ministry going on too, folks. His ministry did not end when he ascended up on high. People say, well, the absent Christ. He's not absent. I remember hearing that. There's nothing absent about him. He's with us. The word says in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, that's just another thing that was made up. You, you go through the epistles and it's just like, you know, Kevin and I were talking about it one day. It's sort of like a recharge as you go through there because you you know these things, but a lot of times you really have to um, remind, be reminded, if you will, of different things in the Word, even though you know it. Okay, like Michael was saying, you're going through all this pressure, and the Lord says, go to Psalm 61 or go to Ephesians chapter 6 and, or and then you start reading it, and, and then you start realizing, well, this is my father's word to me. You know, the greatest love story in the history of man. And we have, I just, when I, you talk about peace, I, I sit here and I marvel at how the, the Lord, what he did in my life back in the day. Amen. I mean, just, if I, I could tell you some things. It would, would blow everybody's mind. Things that I saw before I got saved. But you know what? I really believe the Lord just had his hand on me and said, you know, Hagen, you're going to get close to completely messing up, but I'm going to bring you back. And it's like Michael and I were talking. <clears throat> but he did it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, grateful, I'm grateful for it. Amen. That's another, that's, that's another real big key, Lee, is being grateful, being thankful. Amen. Amen. Um, for, mm. for what we have, you know. One thing yeah. I like about the peace that's available for believing in the Lord Jesus Christ and trusting him is that it's so different than the peace that the world is able to get for themselves. You know, people will look to Eastern mysticism or to yoga, to meditation to get peace. And you can get a degree of peace this way. But you got to continually have this great effort to maintain that peace. Um, and but what's interesting uh, about the peace that the Lord gives, it transcends our outward circumstances. Once we walk into that peace, that peace engulfs us. We're like drowning in this ocean of peace that's offered from heaven. And this peace. Uh, our circumstances can change and we feel the pain of those outward circumstances, but we have this inner joy, this inner peace that buoys us up despite the circumstances. 
And it's difficult for people to understand how believers can go through very painful, bitter circumstances and still be smiling, still have their joy, how they can feel joy and peace at the same time they feel pain. Well, this is a privilege only the believer can have because only the believers have it. And it's the indwelling Holy Spirit ministering God's grace to us. And it's so interesting because like you're saying, the world, you know, their peace, their method or mode of getting peace is through distraction. You try to overwhelm themselves so they don't focus on the problem at hand. But we have a stellar focus, Jesus Christ, and he just permeates that through our entire being, through his Holy Spirit and indwelt within us. And it's truly something that, you know, unless you're born again, you can't really even describe it because there's been times, guys, in my life where I've been literally in peril and it's just a, 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 it just washes over you. I can't even almost articulate what I'm even trying to say. It's just such a tangible experience that God will just wash that piece over you and how much clearer minded you become and, and reasonable and you can start thinking again and, and always giving God thanks. It's so important. Amen. Yeah. That's yeah. just giving thanks I mean, and everything. Yeah, and, and everything. Even if you're in a trial and you're suffering, mm-hmm. just give God thanks, guys, because although we're, our minds are so finite, we can't understand how God's really working this all out. But he said that all things work together for good for those who love him, yeah. right, and are called according to his purpose. Yeah, so, man. It's interesting yes. how we started off talking about the Antichrist. And now we're talking about the peace of God. Amen. <laughs> of course, we. Greg sent this thing out to us so that we would follow a script. We don't, we don't follow a script. Well, you know, the thing is, I think um, if when we talk about the ugly subjects like the Antichrist and Mystery Babylon, I think it does behoove us as believers to also mention the blessings that the believers can have. Um, we can have, despite the fact that we see the stage setting for the mystery of iniquity of the last days right now, it's a terrifying pace. And yet we have peace that passes understanding. Peace the world did not give us. And peace the world cannot take away. And what I think is also a blessing about this message is after the church is gone, our videos, our uh, books, our tracks, uh, anything that we leave laying around, some of this is going to fall into the hands of the people in the tribulation, and they get to find that same joy and peace in believing. Mm Oh man! So I before we get to questions, I do want to I do want to have uh, I do want to have Lee discuss one more topic, uh, brother Bob. Real quick, you have something to say? No, I was just uh, I was just going to mention I have a I have a friend that lives in South Carolina who who uh, busted up his collarbone and the guys I've known the guy for twenty five years, basically an atheist agnostic, and um, I sent him a little bit of help here recently because he's been out of work. And I put a I put a Bible track in there, um, you know, kind of one of the ones that really explains salvation, and everything. I just got a text from him and he thanked me for the letter and he said he was going to read the word. And this guy hearing that from him is like seeing a just b- b- big blast of light coming. So anyway, but I was his name's Mark. You can pray for him. But that was that was all I wanted to see. I was just very blessed. I've been praying for the guy for years. Amen. For sure. Years. 
And I love him like a brother. He's always, oh, no, God. Or, you know. But now he's kind of, eh, I'm going to check it out. Whew. So go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm Not a problem. So thank you. Um, so the 24 elders, there's so much talk about that. And um, people don't really have an idea of what or who the 24 elders are. Uh, we've discussed it on a previous uptime. And what are your thoughts on that? I know you've done uh, a series on that. You've done a video, at least one video I know of. But tell us your thoughts uh, on the 24 elders, but specifically what you found in scripture, right? Not just your thoughts. Yeah. Right. Lean not on your own understanding, but tell us what have you found? Well, when we look at the scriptures to identify the 24 elders, we're going to find some amazing things. And that's one of the difficulties that people have when they come to the 24 elders. They just say, oh, this is mysterious. We can't know who they are, and they move on. Or they're in a school of unbelief that disbelieves the pre-tribulation rapture. And anything anyone says, no matter how much scripture they have about the identity of the 24 elders, they poo-poo it and they shove it aside. Um, if we want to have God's mind in this matter, we need to look to the Word of God. And when we uh, look at the Word of God, we find out that these 24 elders can't be angels. They can't be the Old Testament saints, and they can't be the church saints prior to the resurrection. They can't be the saints that have, have died prior to the resurrection of the rapture and gone to be with the Lord Jesus. Now, let's look at the arguments from Scripture for these three points. Uh, first of all, they can't be angels. We read in Revelation chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, they sang a new song. You have redeemed us to God by your blood. That's an amazing statement. If they're redeemed by blood, they cannot be angels. They cannot be non-human being creatures. Only human beings are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We, um, uh, we read a, a, a corroborating thought in Hebrews 2.16 where we read, um, in fact, let's see if I'll just pull this up and, and read it here. Um, because there's so many different versions on Hebrews 2.16. I'm just going to read the King James. Hebrews 2.16, we read, For verily he took not on him the substance of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Now, if you think about this, uh, the Lord Jesus didn't provide any way of redemption. God didn't provide redemption for the angels. Uh, they were wired in such a way that it was easier to stay right than to fall. And so those that fell, which is only one third of them, that was an extreme degree of wickedness to walk away from being in the physical presence of God and to rebel against him. But when man was wired, he's wired in such a way that it's impossible for him not to fall. And it's impossible for him to recover himself. He can only be recovered by the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit in the Word of God and the justifying power of the blood of Jesus Christ. So there's no redemption for angels. There is blood redemption for mankind. Now, the second argument about the identity of the 24 uh, uh, elders here is that they can't be Old 
Testament saints. Um, we, we know this because in Daniel 12, 13, uh, we see uh, that Daniel's told, go your way until the end, for you shall rest, that is rest in the grave, and then you're going to stand in your lot at the end of the days. So the resurrection for the Old Testament saints is on the very last day, the day that the Lord descends from heaven. And that can be validated by a number of other uh, resurrection passages. But now, once we understand that that these saints don't get their reward and their resurrection until the very last day, and then we re- recall we are during the 70th week. We're not at the end of the 70th week. And then we notice something about these saints that are during the 70th week in heaven. We see in Revelation 4.4 and Revelation 4.10 that they are seated on thrones. Some versions say chairs. They're not chairs or seats. They're seated on thronos thrones. And they're also wearing the Stephanos crown. This is not the diadem for uh, royalty and reigning. This is the Stephanos. It's the wreath which is the reward for service or reward for victory or reward for performance or anything along that line. I'm just going to read uh, 4-4. Round about the throne were four and 20 thrones. And upon the thrones I saw four and 20 elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads Stephanos crowns of gold. So they're on their thrones and they're wearing their crowns of reward. This means they are rewarded. This only happens after or at the reward and the resurrection. So these can't be Old Testament saints. Their day of resurrection and reward hasn't happened yet. Now we can take these very same facts of the the wearing uh, the crown of reward and sitting on the thrones and we can say, now this also tells us They can't be New Testament believers prior to the rapture and resurrection of the church. Because prior to the rapture and resurrection of the church, the New Testament believers that are absent from the body and the present with the Lord don't have their reward crowns, and they're not seated on thrones with Christ yet. So you take these facts and you put them all together. Can't be angels, can't be Old Testament saints, can't be New Testament saints waiting for the reward and the resurrection. These are the rewarded resurrection believers of the church. Once we understand that, chapters 4 and chapter 5 in Revelation is one of the strongest arguments in the Bible for a pre-tribulation rapture. Um, Now, there is one other thought I think I should bring out, and that then raises the question, okay, if these are representatives of the churches, why do we have 24 elders? What is this representative of? It's a it's a representation uh, or a pattern that follows the fact that David arranged the temple services into 24 courses of uh, priests in the Old Testament. This is found in 1 Chronicles 24. Now, why would he put them in 24 courses? If you have 24 courses, every course of priests has two weeks during the year where they're in Jerusalem doing the temple service and they have the rest of the weeks off, and then there's four weeks of the year when all of the courses are there doing full-time service. It comes up with 52 weeks in the year. Now, why did David introduce the 24? If you recall, the Old Testament 
temple service is based on the pattern in heaven. In other words, the church is God's eternal plan for the priesthood, and the Old Testament just pictured it. Um, So I think the 24 elders we see here are the 24 heads of the 24 courses of the church priesthood. Royal priests. We're sitting on thrones, and we we're we're rewarded with the priesthood. So, what a blessing this is going to be! And these twenty four offices are going to be different than the twelve apostles. The twelve apostles are going to sit on twelve thrones over the twelve tribes. Uh, but these twenty four courses are going to be twenty four men throughout from throughout the history of the church who deserve their place. I'm, I'm ready for you to drop the mic, bro- brother. Great one. that verse you shared, Lee, a couple of verses back, where it talked about where the Old Testament saints will be resurrected at the return of Christ, the second return to the Yeah, the first one, one that I gave, well, the only one I actually gave was Daniel 12, 13. Daniel 12, 13. Can you pull that but, up again, Greg? Yeah. Because I got uh, something dropped in my spirit as soon as you said that. Yeah. Because uh, this is great. Because, well, basically what that verse says is the Daniel said, hey, you guys are going to be resurrected at the second. Here it is, Daniel 12, 13. But go thou thy way to the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of days, which will be at the end of their 70-year prophetic timeline. That's right. Okay. So they are resurrected. Get this. They are resurrected, the Jews, Old Testament saints, at the end of Israel's prophetic timeline, which we haven't got there yet because the end of their timeline is Daniel's 70th week. It's a 70-week timeline. So when that timeline ends, with the 70th tribulation coming to an end, Daniel's 70th week, when it comes to an end, they are resurrected. Okay. Now, here's the deal. We're not with those guys. We're the body of Christ. That's right. We're a completely different body. We're a completely different entity, a celestial entity. Okay. So we don't get resurrected with these guys. We get resurrected at the end of our dispensation of grace at the end of a different timeline, which is where we're at right now. So if those are people out there that say, oh, we get resurrected according to this and everything else. There's only a re- there's only one resurrection. That's the end of the second coming. That's wrong. Okay. Yeah. Because our apostle Paul says in First Thessalonians 4, 16, 17, that the dead in Christ shall rise first. All right. And the dead, those who are in Christ, that's referred to the body of Christ. Okay. They're dead in Christ, rise first. And then we who are alive remain, should be called up to meet them in the air. Yep. Okay. And the other thing is our gospel comes to an end because there's a completely different gospel that's instituted during that final week of Daniel. It's, right. a, it's an everlasting gospel. The angel of Revelation 14 says, blessed are those who die from this day forward. Okay, it's a diff- completely different gospel. Our gospel is actually, uh, is actually kind of goes against their gospel because that's our angel preaching in heaven. And our, go- our apostle Paul told us not to trust any angel from heaven mm-hmm. with any gospel other than the gospel they gave us. It's kind of more of a proclamation, right? Yeah. Um, a victory of the uh, the everlasting covenant, right? The everlasting mm-hmm. gospel, right? Um, but yeah, definitely uh, interesting there. And and the other thing, uh, Lee, I wanted to bring up was chapter five. Uh, sorry, Bob, are you did you want to complete that? I think I did. 
Okay. Perfect. So if not, uh, I'll bring it up later. Okay. So Revelation five, I really have to bring this up because this was another thing that I think was brought to our attention uh, on a previous uptime. So we have Revelation five, which talking about the elders here too, right? In context. And they sung, uh, excuse me, I'm saying Revelation five, 11. Okay. Chapter five, verse 11, but I'm going to start at verse nine. And they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou was slain and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto God, our, uh, unto our God, kings and priests, as you were stating, all right, uh, Brother Lee, and yep. we shall reign on the earth. And now the thing is, when you get to Levin, chapter, uh, verse 11, and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders, right? Yeah. So th- here, uh, colon, and the number of them, which... I'm, I'm led to believe that the elders are included in this was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Yeah. So there you have, again, this corroboration of truth, this cross-referencing of what you were talking about, the symbolism of the 24, because they are, from what I see here, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, they are included in that number. Yes. Of ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands of thousands. Is, Great uh, point. Is hey, first, Greg, real fast. You said right there, this is here's another pre tribulation thing I just noticed right here. And saying, if you go to the next verse, what does the next verse say right there? Saying, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb. The camera's in the way here. Okay, I can see it. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing to receive. He had, he's about to receive it. Okay. So well, this is once again, he hasn't opened the, he hasn't opened the seals yet. When he opens the seals, the seven, the seven seals that narrates and starts everything happening on the earth, Daniel 70th week. That's exactly right. And we're here in heaven. This, this is another proof of the pre-tribulation rapture. Because this is the body of Christ standing in heaven as outline. You've redeemed us from every kindred, tongue, and nation. It just wasn't Israel. It was it was every oh, it's all the Gentiles. Yes. Okay. And it says here, and it says, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, wisdom, strength, and honor and glory and blessing. Okay. So basically it says, Jesus, you're about to receive the kingdom of the second and the in the first heaven. You are about to receive the earth. We give you praise and glory. You redeemed us from all mankind. Worthy is the Lamb now to open those seals to make all this stuff come to fruition now. Basically, what we're saying. And I always say, when the rapture resurrection happens, we go up to heaven, there's this big celebration. And I've seen it in my dreams. We are standing before that throne. We are singing songs and everything, giving Jesus glory. And this is all happening before he starts cracking open those seals. In that day, every Baptist is going to become a Pentecostal. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, can I can I share one thing here? I, I don't know how I don't know how relevant the, this one verse is. I, sure. I put it on here. Uh, 1 Peter two nine. 
uh, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people. I can relate to that one. That you should for- show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're talking about priesthood. Um, we're, we are chosen, um, considered p- peculiar because of what we believe. But what we're doing is um, showing forth the praises of him who's called us out of darkness in his marvelous light. Amen. It's sort of like a, a scripture that really says that, you know, you, you turn from idols. It's, it talks in Thessalonians. Paul writes, you know, you, you turn from idols to serve the true, the living God. They're, they're, and there's still stuff like that going on today. But it's not just light. It's marvelous light. Amen. It, it's mm-hmm. beyond tremendous. <laughs> and, it's know, true, and, and it's the true light. It's yeah, the true light. The yeah. true light. Amen. Amen. So that's it. That's my last contribution tonight, man. I, I couldn't no, we'll get out of here. You, <laughs> I, I talked to you. Gonna, much, you know? You're going to be closing this. You know that, Bob. Go on. Um, anyway, so yes, what Bob, <laughs> Brother Bob was saying, uh, Bob Barber. Yeah, I mean the elders are up there as the first seal is being opened. So we're just just put that putting that out there. Um, so thank you for that, Brother Lee. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I think if we can understand the place of the 24 elders, that really will make a big difference. It strengthens the argument for a pre-tribulation rapture considerably. Yeah. Right. The, uh, Jesus, you know, the, the seven-year tribulation, the whole point of it is to, one, bring bring Israel back into the fold, okay? Two, to prepare Jesus' kingdom, the second and the first heavens. He cleans out the second heavens. And kicks it down to the first heaven, the, all the angels, fallen angels, and then the earth is pretty much remodeled and demoed, pretty much, for his r- arrival to the earth. Amen. That's what the seventy tribulation does. That's what's enclosed in those seven seals. And I believe it was in the book of Jeremiah. We saw those flying scrolls with Jeremiah. He saw those flying scrolls, and the sc- and then yes. when the scroll landed, it opened mm-hmm. up. It was Jeremiah right? Lee? Zechariah, I think, isn't it? Zechariah, Zechariah. Oh, Zechariah. Aya, I had an Aya in there. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Zechariah. So when that scroll lands, opens up, then the judgment is carried out. So, yeah, I believe that that's totally us. That's the body of Christ standing. Zechariah 5. Mm-hmm. Standing at that, standing at that, standing at that, uh, standing before his throne at this point. Amen. So we can, so we can really say that, you know, we can comfort each other with these words from like Amen. Thessalonians. You know, we don't have to be um, fall apart and, and let everything get to us. And, and uh, you know, people are going to, they're going to be wanting answers. And it says in the word that we're supposed to, you know, always, always have something. If somebody comes up and wants to know, and a lot of times it'll be the most weird circumstance when someone will come up to you and ask you, you know, um, something about the Lord or they're you know, going through stuff and you say to them, hey, can I pray for you? And uh, it's amazing praying for somebody who really doesn't know the Lord that well or just comes by and and all of a sudden uh, things will change. You know, Amen. the, the uh, atmosphere mm-hmm. of the place changes through prayer. 
Um, yeah. You know, it, it really does. Um, I've gone through schools and, and prayed over lockers and things like that. And, and mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's never, it never, you know, I maybe sound like I'm repeating myself. I am, but it never, the word does not go out void. You know, Amen. when we, when we speak it, it goes out and it accomplishes the stuff, you know, and which is a good deal, but it's, it's to the glory of God. It's not so that we can say, Hey, look at us. You know, look at me. Mm-hmm. I that's great show on and stuff. Ah, it doesn't, I mean, as far as the Lord's concerned, so if, if one person comes back, you know, it, it, the heavenly father is waiting like, Amen. like the product, he's waiting there and he'll run to you. I mean, I, I get this mind picture, you know, and hug you and just come welcome home. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I'm almost guessing a metal sometimes thinking because mm-hmm. this, Place right here is not our complete dwelling. I mean, we're here, but the other place can be a whole lot better. Just like Bobby was saying, I mean, it's going to be a celebration, and uh, right, and we're all going to be able to sing too, which is amazing because I'm not that much of a singer. So evidently, the Lord's going to have to do something in that area too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got a question here for Lee. It's from Scott. He says, "Any idea why beheading will be the form of martyrdom?" During the tribulation, is there an Islamic connection? Actually, I think the connection for beheading is more ancient than Islam. Beheading was used in a number of cultures in the ancient Middle East and the ancient world and other parts of the world long before the rise of Islam. So I think all the beheading is 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 just a satanic tool to intimidate and eliminate people that don't want to follow the ways of iniquity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Bible talks about Jesus being the head of the church, so I think he takes that to heart too. Yeah, you know, yep. take, taking off the head, separating the head from the body. Okay, so yeah, I, I always th- I always think about that too. Why does it have to be beheading? Why can't it be a gunshot to the head? Why can't they just slit your throat or stick a knife in your back? It has to be a beheading. Yeah. Okay. So they like that uh, the whole concept of, of Jesus not you know being the head. Of like say like the body of Christ being head of the church and stuff like that, so that's a good yeah. one there. And I think there's there. some degree of superstition in the idea that uh, if you separate the head from the body, the it'll it'll um, hinder the the resurrection. It's a little bit of a superstition, but there's nothing in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something uh, interesting. And yeah, as always, guys, anything I say be a bringing about it but something that i was actually doing some research on different roman stuff and uh, i had read a few articles in the past that talked about uh the crucifixion and occupied territories with the roman uh military and that uh beheading for the romans citizens was actually a sign of grace i know this is kind of weird sounding but that traditionally the more heinous punishments came from non to non-roman citizens and i thought it was really interesting when i read that because i was like well that's really interesting because paul had declared himself a roman citizen and we see that his death was by beheading but um just something interesting that i i think i mentioned that to you brother bob last uh my channel last time but i think that's kind of interesting that picture of citizens of rome and beheading yep john the baptist Mm -hmm. was beheaded too Yep. Let's see here. Go ahead, Bob. 
you pick the next one. Okay. Let's see here. Do you think? Let's see. I like this question here from Caesar. You know, last time we talked to you, Lee, we were, we we got on this rant about how incredible heaven was. Heaven's going to yeah. be as far beyond what we can comprehend. So I want to bring this one up from Caesar here. I said, will it be possible to go outside the heavens, outside the universe, and outside the multiverse in eternity? So basically, it's like, are we just limited to one spot, or can we move about? You know, we basically, what, what do you think, Lee? Well, it really depends upon what we mean by multiverse. Uh, in in the minds of some of the uh, evolutionary philosophers, uh, there is more than one universe that exists, um, mm-hmm. and and so you can jump from one universe to another. I don't believe that this is a Christian view. I think in in the Bible there's one universe. This universe is amazing. Um, And while I don't believe in the classic definition of different dimensions, it's obvious that there is a pragmatic sense of different dimensions, Mm. that the angels live on different dimensions than we do. Um, they're, They're working on a different dimension within the one singular reality. There's spiritual reality that if our eyes were open, we'd see it in front of us. The, there could be demons and angels in the same room with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, this universe, I believe that there is no corner of the universe that's going to be withheld from the believers in eternity. Um, um, we're even going to venture to gaze inside of hell and and see the Folks, we see this in Isaiah 66, who are burning uh, in, in, in their torments, and that will be part of the required worship during the millennium is for people to gaze upon those folks in their torments. I think that we'll be able wow. to travel to distant galaxies uh, and explore. And, well, the human being is designed to be a curious creature, designed to think. And when we use our creativity and our inventiveness, we are, in a sense, uh, emulating God and, and that honors him. Great, great answer. I love the uh awesome. love the fact that you can we can walk, you know, I tell these guys, you know, when you are in your mortal body, you will be able to walk on any star. That's okay, right. Go on any planet, walk on any surface of any planet as you choose. Okay. A great example of that, you know, Jesus, you know, he was in the belly of the earth. Okay. How yeah. hot is it down there? Ten thousand degrees, you know? I think there's a way that we will be, like you said, we'll be able to go down there and look, and that heat would have no effect on us. I don't know how that's going to work, okay? But, yeah, I believe that the bodies that we're going to have is going to be incredible bodies because let's look at, I mean, how many trillions of uh, galaxies are out there right now? Mm-hmm. And each galaxy has billions of stars. Yep. How many solar systems are around, are in, you know, for each star? Okay, and how many planets are available around each star? Okay, it's infinite. That's right. Okay, but the only re- only way you're going to get there is with a reborn celestial body, immortal body that has a capability of a tra- traversing the universe in order to get there. So that's why you have to be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, and that's why Jesus catches up catches us up into the heavens. And you're not you have to have a different body when you get up there, Lee, because you get up above. The stratosphere, you're not going to be able to breathe. That's right. You're going to freeze to death. 
Okay, so evidently you're going to have a body that's going to be different that can handle those type of conditions. I think it's just amazing to think of walking barefoot uh, in your jeans on the moon or going mm-hmm. for a grill-out picnic lunch on Mars and, and uh, <laughs> cooking corn on the cob and steaks on Mars. That just sounds fascinating to me. And to right, explore, it's going to be a blessing. Right. It's going to be awesome. We could do it, too, because like, it's really cold here. I was like, well, it's not cold for me. I got yeah. a mortal body. <laughs> So my body doesn't react to all that stuff. Okay. Oh, it's really hot here. Yeah. Doesn't bother me. I feel Bob's, great. A, Bob's already picking out the planets he wants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, what planet would really stink would be Mercury. That one would be like, that seems so boring. I'll yeah. probably never go there. Bob's but, planet. Uh, other than that, though. I would love to put a big glass dome on Mars mm-hmm. on the side of one of the hills and grow coffee beans and, and call it <laughs> Red Planet Beans. There you go. And I could see that totally happening. Very nice. Because of creative. I love it. Mm-hmm. And now okay. people are, now people are, they're listening are going to go, they've really gone off the deep end. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, I want to see if there's really a planet Krypton out there. Krypton. <laughs> yeah. See if, because we'll, we'll be like Superman and Superwomen, yep. I guess. Huh? Pretty much. Yep. Well, there'll no doubt be a planet called Krypton because someone's going to name one that. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Here's a question from Eyes of Blue 10. When do you think we are going home, folks? 2023, 2024, 2025? I just put out that video that indicates that 2030 will be the year of the Lord's return. And uh, for for a multitude of different reasons. But, uh, you know, it doesn't sound too far-fetched to me that 2023 will be the year of the rapture resurrection. In fact, there are some celestial alignments happening right now, and I can't regurgitate it right now. You go to, like, God a Minute and some other, uh, Dr. Barry All, and they have these incredible celestial alignments happening right now, and uh, that's happening, like, over the next uh, 7 to 10 days, okay? And it's a complete, perfect rapture celestial sequence, okay? Probably the best one we've ever seen, all right? And I can't regurgitate it, but I really do believe that 2023 is going to be the year because 2030 minus 7 is uh, 2023. Yep. And yep. if you take the basic math of that, the 2,000 years, um, that can be bumped up to 31, 32, 33 AD. It really um, it gives us a rapture window from the earliest year of the cross, which is 20 which is 30 AD uh, all the way up to the latest year of the cross, which is, which is 33 AD. And it gives us a rapture window from 2023 to 2026, basically. And so um, personally, I think it might be a little later, but you know what? We've really come so far in the stage setting that it can literally happen any moment. Yeah. Right. Well, even um, think about what they're doing now for uh, here's a big indicator, I think, is what the enemy's doing now. You know, I talked about when we entered into this new Shemitah cycle last month, around the 23rd, 24th. Okay, we're in a new seven year cycle. All right. And as this cycle starts, as that candle starts burning, it gets shorter and shorter. And um, Matthew 24, verse 22, 21, 22, where it says that lest these days be short, no flesh shall be saved. So right. the seven-year period, if it's going to be the tribulation, Lee, it's good. The time window is already is, is wearing down now. It's getting yep. shorter, shorter. It's like now it's like six years, 11 months, 
now or uh, 10 months and a half, something like that now. So the, I think the Agenda 2030 is Satan's plan. Or Agenda 2030 is actually a shadow of Satan's plan to set the world up to fight the Lord at his second return. Okay, yep. because the, the fact and my theory, I think my theory is correct because seven years is getting short now. All right. And Agenda 2030, they say, yeah, Agenda 2030, yeah, oh, this is great. But now you guys hear the, the World Economic Forum just said they, they they just came out and said that they need to increase the split, the speed of implementation of Agenda 2030. They need to bring it about faster now, Lee. Yep. They're in a hurry now. They said we got to do everything quicker. And you know what? The, you know what these guys had the audacity to say. They said we. The reason why we could not get the agenda twenty thirty going like we wanted to was because of COVID. I'm like, really? Because of COVID, that slowed you guys down. You know, that that's like part me of their telling you, <laughs> that, That's like me telling everybody that here I am racing my car, and as soon as I hit the nitrous button, the car slowed down. Yeah, that's right. That's basically what they say because COVID opened the doors for them immensely. I mean, things super accelerated for them since COVID started. Yeah. So that's a stupid excuse. Yeah. <laughs> Here's so a, another I think it's a race to 2030 for them, for the devil, yeah. and for the Lord's return. Here's a, a another uh, look at the year 2030 that I think has merit, and that's that Agenda 2030 is going to be implemented when the Antichrist sits in the temple in the middle of the 70th week, requires everyone to take the mark and implements his kingdom on earth. Mm, um, that, that You're still in that rapture window from, from 30 AD, 33 AD, which takes you out to 2030 to 2033. But it kind of is right in the middle of there. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's interesting to me about these different scenarios um is ultimately some of these scenarios are going to prove to have some good ideas in them, but they're not going to quite work. But but really what it does, for everyone that doesn't work, you're going to be going back to the uh, the workbench, to your workshop, <coughs> and work through it again. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, the, the folks that are on these paths are going to get sharper in these things, and they're going to end up gaining a, a lot of light. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. So personally, myself, uh... I, I, I don't. Um, you, if you've watched my videos, you know that I uh, don't really associate the rapture with any of the feast dates or the Jewish cycles. So that puts me in a little bit of a different camp and a little bit of of a different perspective. And that I think the rapture of the church is like uh, we don't really have anything to to base it on. It's just going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But if if I'm wrong on this, and it is associated with the date, then you've got several different Jewish feast dates, and it can only happen on one of them, mm-hmm. and or some other Jewish dates or calendar dates, and it's going to fit with one of those. So we really only have two options. Either it's not associated with the Jewish date, or it is associated with the Jewish date. Yeah. Well, so something interesting to... Uh talk about or to bring up is that remember the world economic forum with uh, at the time prince charles and he was talking about trillions at his disposal 
So with the whole escalation of everything lining up, I think that's something very interesting to keep in mind, considering he's about to be coordinated. Yep. Now, what's yeah. interesting about that statement, do you think he was referring to himself or do you think that he was referring to something that he, somebody that he knows is possibly the coming super figure? That is a yeah. great question. I think that is the million dollar question, honestly, or a trillion dollar question because, you know, that's, uh, I don't know, but I know a lot of people are talking about second or the second Passover, the unclean Passover. And I think it's kind of interesting that the coronation quite aligns with that. So that's something to kind of look at as far as something interesting. I'm not saying that it means anything, but uh, yeah, you know, the way he said it, I don't know. I always felt like he was implying that there was someone else behind the scenes. That's that's what I think too. Yep. Yeah. That's what I got this question here. I think might shed some light on the situation. Stokely and his boys says, "Question from Bob and Lee for the panel: Do you think a resurrected Nimrod could be the Antichrist? I've heard he was he was altered human Nephilim, uh, two thirds God, one third man." The Bible said he became a mighty hunter. Yeah. So, okay. And plus, I heard these rumors that um, they started the uh, Desert Storm to get into Iraq to to uh, retrieve the body of Nimrod because there's a certain type of level of uh, DNA technology with his body that helped him achieve going from human to a superhuman Nephilim. So this is why they had to get in there and retrieve his body. That's why there's weapons of mass destruction. We have to go there and look. They never found anything, but they got his body and they retrieved it. And I think Israel has the body now. That's what I heard. Okay, so what do you think? Do you think Nimrod Lee could be the resurrected Antichrist? Well, uh, literally Nimrod literally raised from the dead i no, i don't think so okay. even though some of my i have a few dear friends that think so um now the whole question of uh nimrodian dna being um used uh in some way to make transhuman uh nephilim uh now that's that's definitely not out of the question that definitely has to be on the table of consideration uh, another thing about the literal, the strictly literal resurrection of Nimrod, we we know that according to Revelation that the uh, Antichrist is going to be one of the Roman emperors raised from the dead. So um, if he's also Nimrod, then that Roman emperor had to be resurrected Nimrod. I wouldn't say that's impossible, but it does seem a bit of a stretch. But mm -hmm. Nimrod's DNA used in a transhuman way, well, that's where technology is going. That's where, where the New yeah. World Order folks want to go. This is terrifying. Intentionally mixing non-human DNA, animals, and angelic with mm. human beings. Yeah. Hey, you guys see this right here? See that right there? You guys see that? Uptime? Yeah. I, think that's, I think that's when they did it, right there. They started mixing that DNA. Oh, everybody. oh okay, yeah. And those, those who, and those, uh -oh, if, the body, yeah. if the body reacted mm -hmm. well to it and mm -hmm. be able to accept it, the changes were made. If the body did not react well to it and rejected it, then they either died quickly or had a slow death. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah it's interesting. I, I tend to think that 
a lot of the truth that is out there, of course, the ultimate truth being Jesus Christ, but the the little truths of what's actually happening are so fantastic most of the time that it's it's stranger than fiction, and I think a lot of people have a hard time receiving it because of how big it really is. And I think if we all really knew the scope of everything that was truly happening around us, yeah, I, I don't. I think it would just bewilder us. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's pretty huge. It's huge. There's yeah, so the, many moving parts to this. The the power players that are uh, part of the deep state, and and then the global cabal that's over the deep state uh, here in America. These people, mm-hmm. they are so interconnected with the demonic realm. Whether they're connecting with them through. Uh, the dark arts, whether they're connecting with ascended masters, whether they're actually in a, a witch covens or warlock covens or whatever they're in, they have connections with these fallen beings. They're learning technology, they're learning skills, they're getting science from them. And uh, then when you look at on, on the scientific realm, what they're trying to engineer with the DNA manipulation and where they're going with this, the stuff that we're seeing filtering into the news um, it, they're actually probably a decade or two decades beyond that in places yeah, like agree. DARPA, in Russia, yeah. in China. Um, it's terrifying. And when you know that d- the devil's main goal is to deface and destroy every institution of God, he hates Israel, he hates the church, he hates the Bible, he hates marriage, he hates the family, he hates the distinction of the sexes, he hates that man is made in the image of God, he's going to deface that image. And he has already started his plan to alter man's DNA and make him na- non-human. Mm. Wow, yeah. really that's really that's <laughs> really pretty heavy, you know, when you think about it, because it's it's so it started from the very beginning, you know the you know thou shalt not surely die, you know, and, yeah. and it and it went. Now they're talking about um, being able to uh, alter the DNA so that people can live for hundreds of years and you know they're this it's just a complete um it's like spitting in god's face you know the we have the uh, we're sealed with that holy spirit of promise we have eternal life but the old adversary is he's he counterfeits everything he's never had an original thought he counterfeits everything and he might you know might he might have this brilliant technology but the technology elite, no matter how brilliant it is, yep. God know, God knows the end game. He he knows this stuff's going on, and he's equipping people uh, with the whole armor of God. And um, you know, I just exhort you folks to watch that tomorrow and at noon Eastern, and maybe maybe you'll learn something. You You're touched on the time channel. Go, go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to say you touched on a very uh, interesting point here because in the garden, the the the, um, the promise of the devil was, "You shall be as gods, be as knowing gods. good and evil." Yeah. And and what's interesting about that is, uh, the the I think that the plan that's involved here with this DNA manipulation, if you look at the options of how you could change DNA to make man live forever. And they're not talking about finding the broken genes in human DNA and fixing it. They're talking about adding either animal or angelic or plant genes to the human body. There's really only a few options that they could go on to add the genetic ability to human beings that they could live for a long time. 
Yeah. And, and um, this is one of the reasons why I think there probably is really some real credence in the story of going after uh, Nephilim DNA. If they get that angelic DNA mixed with the human DNA, you have automatically added hundreds of years to man's life. Well, the Bible says that they'll wow. seek death and death will flee from them. Yep. The Book of Revelation. So they will achieve it. Yep. They will achieve yep. it. I think you're right with the Nephilim angelic because angels, you know, they're eternal. Yep. So there has to be something about them that can be added to us, not us, but to them, you know, with the mark of the beast. Can you imagine Imagine marketing that not only can you easily pay your bills and take care of everything for your family, but you can also live for an extra 500 to a thousand years. Yeah. Yeah. You know? This commercial interesting thing where he said, you shall be as gods, mm-hmm. the, the gods in, in the, the, the realm of things where we've got gods of little G's. These were the fallen angels that end up being worshiped as the gods of the ancient cultures. Right. And mm-hmm. th- I think there's a, a, a kind of a hidden or veiled promise here. You're going to be like us. Yeah. You mm-hmm. follow knowledge, you will mm-hmm. be like us. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. been the secret goal all along. That's the goal that all these world elite are aiming after. They want to be like the gods that they serve. It's, it's, so, their, it's their ego. It's, 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 it's what yeah. gets in, it really is the thing that gets in the way of salvation yep that's if right you will because yeah. man does not man does not want to admit that that they're wrong they man does not want to admit that they can't do it on their own in their own strength yeah. man mm-hmm. does not want to admit that hey maybe i need this jesus amen it's if you look you know john fourteen six. And this is the way the truth of life. Yeah, look at John ten ten and Amen. Acts four twelve, and just just put your you know spend some time in the Gospels, getting to know them, and then just ask him to teach you. Yeah, I always say that. Ask him to teach you, uh, and you you'll learn. Nothing wrong with saying, "Show me, Lord." Yeah, you learn a lot of stuff, just like all the stuff I learned tonight, listening to Lee and you guys. I mean, every every week. And I never stay on this long either, which is a miracle. So, <laughs> a miracle in itself. Yeah. Well, thank you. Know, you know, uh, show these uh, globalists, First yeah. Corinthians fifteen fifty three. It says, "For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality." Yeah. You know, if they just saw that, they said, "You know, what's this all about?" Yep. You know, and then they start digging. And then before they know, well, I, was like, I want to, I want to partake in that. And then eventually they come to the realization of the finished works of Jesus Christ, being the true God of heaven and earth and all things made, that He's the only way to God the Father. Okay, He's the only way. It's the only way to get saved. And eventually the day will come when we're all caught up out of here, changing the moment of twinkling eye, caught up to heaven, you know. And all those guys down here to be like. No, their consolation prize, they could have partaken in that instead of the consolation prize is, you know, whatever kind of contraption or machine they're going to hook up to you mm-hmm. or maybe download your brain to uh, some type of computer or something like that. You yeah. know, that's basically the consolation prize that they're going to as, get. As this Bible says, their foolish hearts yeah. are darkened. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I think we're going to leave it with that. 
everyone else, thank you for coming on with us tonight. Lee, Brother Lee, thank you so much for your research. Thank yep. you for coming on with us tonight. We do appreciate it. God bless you all. And uh, of course, we are waiting. We are watching, waiting, anticipating, and uh, the Lord's return. This is Lee, such have, an a good, amazing time. have a good trip to Oklahoma. Oh, thank yes. you very much. Yes, we'll be praying for you, brother. Yeah. We'll see you uh, next week. God bless. Peace. Lord willing. Here. See you soon.